right, good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Taylor. If you're able, would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. We pray to you now, and we believe that you became flesh, made your dwelling among us, and Lord, you bring light, you bring life into this world for all those that see it, for all those that don't reject you. Lord, we thank you that your love goes out into this world, accepting all, and Lord, you alone love us so much. We praise you, we thank you for your word, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may now be seated. We're starting a new sermon series today. It's a series called First Things, where we talk about seeking God first. And today we're going to talk about this book, the Bible. Specifically, we're going to talk about how the Bible, Scripture, is a treasure. That's the sermon title. I often don't have a sermon title, but today I do. And that is that Scripture is a treasure. Scripture is a treasure. Scripture is reliable. It's our go-to. It's how we know who Jesus is, who came 2,000 years ago, God himself in the flesh. It's awesome. I believe that the Bible is a treasure. And I'm not just saying that. As a pastor, I have to say that. I have to love the Bible, right? But I'm not just saying that. I love Scripture. I think it's the greatest treasure I have. So let me start off with an illustration. And this illustration, it's kind of a Debbie Downer of an illustration, but it will get the point across of the treasure of Scripture. This illustration uh, happens in a place, um, I think I've told it before, it's one of my favorite illustrations, happens in a place where, uh, like a well-to-do neighborhood, well-to-do town, where the kids, when they graduate high school, they get a new car. Tell them what they've won. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood in a place where every high school kid got a new car, but I have experienced it. I worked as a youth pastor in uh, like North LA, Chatsworth, just north of the Hollywood Hills. And there was like 10 kids in my youth group if they all showed up, which was rare. But all of those kids, when they turned about 16, they were given, like every single one of them, were given brand new cars. One girl the year I was there got a brand new Land Rover. Pretty sweet. Another kid got is the year the the Ford Focus came out. He got a brand new Ford Focus, 16 years old. I was like, wow, this is awesome. He's like, well, you know, I got to put a sound system in it. I got to put a custom exhaust on it. You know, he's kind of embarrassed that he got a Ford and his friend got a Land Rover. And I was like, dude, 
You're 16 and you have a car. You're 16. You have a brand new car. So this story, this illustration happens in one of those neighborhoods. Imagine it. Imagine a young man waiting for his car. All his friends are getting cars. You know, the car, there's cars in the neighbor's uh, driveways. 16-year-olds all over this neighborhood are getting brand new cars when they graduate from high school. And graduation week kind of comes and goes. Graduation ceremony comes and goes. And this young man goes to his father and it's like, Dad, you know, didn't we talk? Didn't I make it clear about that I wanted a new car and what kind I wanted? And the father, this loving Christian man, takes his son into his study and presents him with a box. And the son knows right away that in this box, there's no car in this box. And so he opens the box and therein lies the box, a genuine leather Bible. And he looks at it and he's overcome with, with sadness and then anger, like rage. Like he's not happy that he didn't get a car. All his friends got a car. So he takes the book, the Bible in the box and throws it on his dad's desk and just leaves. He's upset. He's angry. And this begins a very long journey of this father and this son separating the chasm between them because he was so unhappy that he didn't get a brand new car for his graduation. And days pass, weeks pass pass, months, and even years pass, and the son doesn't want anything to do with his father. He leaves uh, any kind of relationship with his father. He leaves the faith. He doesn't want anything to do with the Bible or God, and yet the father was so clear. Like he, the, the, the father up in his office handing this young child, the 16-year-old, the book, said, with this, um, bo- with this, what's in this box is your reward. It's knowledge. It's power. I wish I had had this book, this gift before when I was your age, and yet the son just does not want anything to do with his father, doesn't want anything to do with God, and for years and years and years has his own life, moves away, doesn't have anything to do with the father, then gets word that his father's not doing very well, gets word that his father's on his deathbed, the son decides that he was honestly a brat and had been a brat. You know, he, he left his father in that relationship, left God and the Bible, even though he grew up with the word, grew up with going to church. And he um, decides, I need to lay that aside and at least see my father one last time. And unfortunately, he's on his way to see his father traveling. He gets another phone call, and it's the worst news that his father has not made it. His father has gone from this life into the next. And waves of emotion come come over this young man, and he goes to his father's house, goes to the funeral, is going through his father's stuff, goes upstairs to that office space where he last saw his dad alive so many years ago, and there on the desk, guess where it is there? As if it had never moved, the box with the Bible, and he picks it up, opens the lid, pulls out the Bible, and there falls some keys and a note. It says, car that you wanted, paid in full, but son, truly, the, the, the reward I want you to have is this Bible. Read it. Understand these words. The treasure is in Scripture. And the story goes, he falls to his knees. He vows that the, the true treasure is the Word of God. He, he can no longer have a relationship with his earthly father, but he vows to have a relationship with his heavenly father. Sorry to start off the sermon with a Debbie Downer, but you see, 
see it, the treasure that is Scripture. I believe in the treasure of Scripture. In our household, we read the Bible a lot. We read it in the morning with my little boys. We read it in the evenings. Uh, we memorize it from a very young age. Like Theo, he's, he's two. He's, he's going to be three pretty soon. He can barely talk. And we're memorizing little passages of Scripture. He's repeating them back. It's beautiful. From a very young age, my four boys are getting into the Word of God. Uh, at a very young age, Jay started memorizing Scripture. I had him, one of the passages he, he memorized was Psalm 1. And in a Bible that I got for him, it seems like we've kind of have a tradition now where on the fifth birthday of all my sons, I got Jay a Bible on his fifth birthday, and then Rowan wanted one because Jay got one on his first, fifth birthday. So I, on five, and when they're five years old, I give them a Bible. I, I gave Jay a Bible with a, like a nice adult Bible. He's going to have to grow into it with a, his name embossed and engraved on it. And in it, because he memorized Psalm 1, I said, Jay, meditate on these words and you will be like the tree planted by streams of water and you will in your life bear fruit and your leaves won't wither and whatever you do will prosper. And I put that on his Bible and I hope he grows into this Bible and learns to love scripture. Same thing with Rowan. Rowan 6, the last year I got him this particular Bible. And Rowan, when he was young, we memorized together Psalm 15. So at the front of this Bible that, uh, that I have here, I wrote, Rowan, Psalm 15, if you live on God's holy mountain, walk blamelessly, do what is righteous, and speak the truth from your heart, you will never be shaken. Psalm 15, love dad. Like I want my children, I want you, I want this congregation to fall in love with scripture. And these kinds of talks, usually they, they come about, I gave a similar talk uh, last year around this time about getting into habits. This is the time of year when Americans, we look at our calendar and we start getting into new habits and we hear sermons like this one about like, let's get into the habit of reading scripture. Let's fall in love with scripture. Some of you are going to leave here thinking, man, this sermon was just a just a hand slap. And I do not want that to be the case with this sermon. I'm not asking you, like, you, when's the last time you read the Bible? Uh, uh, hey, you should know. You, how many days in a week? Uh, seven. How many times did you read the Bible? Uh, not enough. You got to read it more. You, where's your Bible located? I think it's in the kitchen. You think? Slap the hand. <laughs> That's not, my hand's starting to hurt. That, that is not... <laughs> That is not this sermon. I really, really hope that with, with this just little bit of time that I have to share with you, that we will fall deeply in love with Scripture and, and just encourage you to, to either start something new that will last or to, to re-engage a pattern of reading Scripture or to, to just fall more in love with Scripture and reading it and understanding it. Because the, the Bible is hard. It's a hard book. It's a confusing text. And I think there's lots of misunderstandings about what the Bible is. I think if you, uh, you think about this book, there's, there's a phrase, it's, it's B-I-B-L-E, that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Have you heard this? And you're like, oh, wow, that's what this book is. It's like, well, in some ways, that's what it is. But it's not just a book of instructions, right? It's, it's a lot more than that. There's poetry. There's history. There's uh, genealogies. There's chronologies. There's prophecy. It's not just a book of instructions. Some people, I know my youth pastor, to, to get us into the Bible, he, would, he had this phrase, and, and he, he, it's a great phrase. He said, the Bible is God's love letter to humanity. And surely that's the case. God loves humanity. But then you open up to 
Second Kings, and you're like, wow, I don't see this isn't written like a love letter. Like I, I see the point, the big picture that God loves us, but that's not really, if we were to be literal about it, that's not what this is. Another thing the Bible is not is, you know, sometimes we see uh, memes, like the little pictures with a little saying on it, and there's like beautiful uh, backdrops, fo- photographs of like rolling hills, and there's some sheep, and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. You're like, wow, you get the warm fuzzies. You're like, yeah, that's awesome. Or you see uh, another photograph of like a father and a little son and they're smiling on a beach and the sun is rising it says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal everlasting life and you get the warm fuzzies you're like yeah our heavenly father loves us like a good father to a young son wow this is great and you open up the text of scripture and then you're in Leviticus and you're like wow where's the memes and the photos where's these warm fuzzies this book isn't quite written like that. And yet there are gems, like all those two verses I just shared with you. Those are in the Bible. There's some gems in the Bible, and we can mine this book like a gold miner for gems, and we can find these gems. But I have a different way, a different take that I want to say right now. And I want to say that, that the reading the Bible is not just looking for the gems. They're, they're great when we find them, but I think the true treasure is just time with the Word. Let me give you a, a, an analogy. It's a weird little analogy. You can look this up later. Again, don't look this up now. Look it up later. <laughs> but there's a guy that has buried a treasure. Do you know about this? It's a true story. They just, just raise your hand if you know the, the legend of Forrest Finn. Anybody? A couple. Okay, three or four of you. Um, so this guy from Santa Fe, this is, look it up later. Okay, not now, but it's worth looking up. And you're like, are you serious? It's a true story. Like a guy buried a treasure a couple years ago. I forget how many years ago. Five, six, something like that. Uh, years ago. And it's worth now, like if you look it up, it's probably worth maybe $3 million. Like he literally buried a treasure somewhere in the National Forest, somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, that's what he says. And he wrote a poem on where to find it. And it's out there, like still to this day, that you could go interview him, he won't tell you anything, he won't give you any clues. But there's like a real treasure out there and people go looking for the treasure. And you're like, well, that's weird. Why would this guy do that? And he says, the reason why I did this is that so people will get out into nature, so that people will go spend time in the mountains, by the rivers, walking and hiking. He imagines fathers and sons and and, and moms and daughters and people just going out, camping and hiking, getting out into nature and looking for this treasure. And he says the real treasure, if you seek for it, will be the time you spend out in nature. And I just thought, what a weird, that's awesome. And it's kind of like, in my mind, how I view reading scripture. Like, sure, there's gems, there's beautiful, warm fuzzies when we read beautiful texts of poetry and how much God loves us. But I think day to day, the reading is like that, like the true treasure is just getting us into the Word of God. I have a quote for you. It's by Rowan Williams, a Christian theologian. He says this, that the Bible is not intended to be a mere chronicle of past events, but a living communication from God. And if we get that, if we get that that reading the text of Scripture is like communication with God, then it's like we've found this treasure. I don't need to say too much anymore. I don't need to slap anybody's wrist. My hand is already red from slapping my own wrist. Like we, if you get the idea that scripture is a treasure, 
then we will just fall in love with it and we will read it. It's like this. I think I said this, uh, I gave this analogy uh, about prayer maybe a year ago. I said, it would be like, you know, the, the value in prayer, the value in reading scripture. It would be like if after this service, someone was giving out $1,000 cashier's checks. Some of you just woke up. You're like, wait, what's going on after service? Just analogy. So someone's downstairs just handing out $1,000 cashiers. Like, wow, just for coming to church today, here's the 1000 for you. What about the kids? Sure, everybody gets one. You're like, wow, this is awesome. Best church ever. <laughs> I wouldn't need to, like, tell you. I wouldn't need to remind you, right? If that was the case, I wouldn't need to be like, okay, everybody, make sure you don't forget. Oh, write it down so you, you don't forget on your way out. No, you would all be ready to go. As soon as I said amen, there would be a line and there would be like people waiting. Like I wouldn't need to convince you. And I think that in lies my hope today of just talking about scripture that, that we will fall in love with scripture and know the treasure of it. So that, all of this has been my introduction. Three points now. One, two, and three. They're going to be quick. We'll put it up here like this. I'll put all three. I, I say it like this. Read the Bible habitually, holy, and with holiness. Read the Bible habitually, holy, and with holiness. Three points. Habitually, I'll talk about that. And then holy, I'll, I'll describe what that means. And then with holiness. First, Read habitually. Get into the habit of reading the Bible, and there you will fall in love with reading it more and more. You will get into the habit of it. It's like going to the gym. So it's, it's around January 1st now. New Year's resolutions are happening. Hopefully you haven't given up yet. But some of you are, are like have a resolution to eat better or to exercise more. And so I'll give a gym analogy. People that get into the habit, the routine of going to the gym. Um, people, like if you, if you truly go to the gym a couple times a week for a year, you'll look different. You'll be more healthy. And I think the same is true. If you, if you read the Bible, start habitually reading the Bible over the course of a year, your life will look different. Like you will get something out of it that is a deep well in your life. So here's the joke. Uh, do you know what the hardest, most difficult exercise at the gym is to do? Some of you might think, oh, it's got to be squats. You know, like putting the heavy weight on your shoulders, going all the way down, all the way back up, working your back muscles. Oh, that's, that's a good one. My legs are sore for days if you do squats, right? That's what people say. Or deadlifts. If you get into weightlifting, deadlift is like you, you, you stack up the weights and you just lift it off the ground and you kind of lock up. You lift people, lift a lot of weight that way. It's, oh, that's got to be the hardest. Nope, that's not it. Some of you might say, oh, it's got to be uh, cardio, like the treadmill. You get on there, you run, you sweat, and then you go nowhere at the end of it. You're like, nope, that's not it. Um, oh, swimming. Swimming works your whole body. Doing laps in the pool, that's brutal. That's got to be the hardest, right? Nope, the hardest, as the joke goes, it's this motion right here. <laughs> See what that motion is? <laughs> the hardest exercise at the gym is the front door. Have you heard this joke before? It's true though, right? Like the hardest part about a habit is starting the habit. It's like, yeah, that's true. That's the hardest. The hardest part about reading the Bible is this motion right here. Did you see that? Like that, and for some of us, that's the hardest motion of the whole thing. Just starting the habit of reading the Bible. So here's a couple pointers. Get one. Get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, um, we have some in the back. Ryan assured me, like visit our table. We got some New Testaments. We got the whole Bible. Get one. We have them for you. If you have a Bible, 
and it's, it's, it's somewhere you don't know, find it, get it out, put it somewhere where you will read it. For some of you, it, it may, this may sound weird, just, I'll just say it, but for some of you, it's like, put it in the bathroom. That's the place where you have to be. For, is that like, the, the, I'm just saying it because that's where, like if a habit begins to form, that's maybe where it needs to start. Is that my goal for you, that your whole devotional life will be in a bathroom? No, that's not my long-term hope for the congregation, but maybe that's where it needs to start. Listen to the Bible on audio. I'm a big fan of that. I, m- I remember reading through the whole Bible years ago. Uh, some buddies of mine were like, let's read the whole Bible. And we started in January. Uh, sometime in like uh, middle of summer, I was done. And they were like, whoa, dude, how'd you read it so fast? You're already done. Wow. They started quizzing me. And I said, well, you know, I read this much here and there. Then I listened to it in my car on the way to work. And they were like, whoa, whoa, you listened to it. That's cheating. You cheated. <laughs> I was like, do you hear yourself right now? You're accusing me of cheating by listening to the Bible. And I, I went on and said, that's not cheating. And I said, you know, for hundreds of years before the printing press, if people had, you know, if they had the knowledge of Scripture, it was probably because they heard it and they had it read and they would listen to it in groups. It's not cheating to listen to the Bible. I'm a big fan of the audio Bible. I'm a big fan. Some of you are big fans of, uh, the, instead of a paper Bible, an app. Uh, I just got a, uh, an app this week. It's called Read Scripture. It's pretty awesome. It's just literally re- you read Scripture, and there's little. It's broken up with some commentaries. It's broken up with some videos that are really well done. You could get the app. You could do it now. That's the only thing you should be doing on your phone if if you're downloading the Read Scripture app. Uh, I use personally. I've been using for years and years the Bible Gateway. You have to be. Um, on, on Wi-Fi, but it has every translation that I've, I know of, and it offers you the ability to listen to the Bible being read. That's what I use. Some of you, um, uh, I know, uh, to, to point Brett out, he's got the Minecraft Bible. Some of you just need, right, just to read the Minecraft Bible. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, that's great. Get a Bible. Get one you'll read. The best Bible is one you'll read, and routine is one of the most important things you could establish in your life, if you've ever in your life been in a sweet routine of growing and accomplishing things, habit makes all the difference. Some of you might just need, some of you, I, I joked about this, I think a couple years ago in a sermon, I, I joked about making an appointment. I said, I was listening to this sermon and the preacher was really uh, emphatic about making an appointment to read your Bible every day. And he said, you can't meet with the president. You can't meet with the governor. You can't meet with a senator without an appointment. You need an appointment with God. And I was like, that's a really weird analogy. But I was, I made fun of it and then I did it. And so now on my calendar, calendar is an appointment every day with God, invitees, God, location, my heart. (laughs) And it's just in my calendar and it has actually helped me. I made fun of it and now I'm doing it and it has actually helped. It's a practical piece. Some of you need a plan. You know, there's a saying, if you don't plan, if you you don't plan to fail, you plan. If you don't fail to plan, then you plan to fail. I just messed it up. Anyways. Some of you love plans and you love a Bible in a year plan. If you read 12 minutes a day, you will read the whole Bible in a year. Some of you like the opposite of a plan. It's just like to to go at your own pace and you'll probably read more of the Bible in a year doing it that way. That's great. Here's a quote by N.T. Wright, a very living, uh, respected theologian. He was asked, like, how do you read the Bible? And he said two words, thoroughly and frequently. 
And I just thought, that's, that's great. Falling in love with Scripture thoroughly and frequently. Number two is this. Point number two is to read holy, meaning to read whole bits, whole books of Scripture instead of jumping around. I'm, uh, I think we're all probably guilty of just jumping around. But when we read whole books, we get into the characters. And when we get into the characters, we can see that really the book of the Bible, the books of the Bible are about one main character, not principles, but a person. So it'd be like this if someone gave you, sent you a long letter, someone close to you, I wrote you a long letter, and you started off in the middle, and then a couple days later, you read, read the P.S., and then a couple days later, uh, you read the ending of the letter, then a couple days later, you, then you read the beginning. It's like, well, that'd be silly, right? You, you wouldn't do that. You'd start in the beginning and work your way through it to get accustomed to the story and the flow of it. And I think we should do that, maybe not with the books of the Bible, like starting in Genesis, ending in Revelation, but with individual books, like we should read them holy. If you're not sure where to start, I always say, they start in the book of John. It's a gospel. It gets right to the heart of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. If you've read John, if you, if you read John, you're like, well, what's next? You could read Jonah. Jonah, we're going to start a, a new ser- sermon series in a couple weeks on February 9th on the book of Jonah. So that would be a good book to read. But read it wholly because it reveals the characters and the Bible is about a person, not a principle. Point number three is this. So the first one was read habitually, read wholly. The third point is this, read with holiness. I think this is why um, we read scripture at the beginning of service. If you got here early, uh, Brett was reading scripture, reading through the Psalms, and it's, it's an environment where it's like we're here to worship, and we're here to receive from the Lord something much more than just a book being read. I think the, the type of reading that most of us do on a day-to-day basis is more like scanning. We scan uh, the internet, we, we skim read, we browse, we see news headlines, we're forced to look at um, like marketing and advertisements. And the invitation of scripture is to slow down, to read, to saunter, to memorize, to see the treasure of scripture as a person and not a principle. One last thought before um, Tyler's going to lead us to the table in just a minute. But I want to give us, um, I want to go back to the the book of John. It says, um, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. To nerd out for just a second and to, to get into the Greek, if that's okay, nerd alert. <laughs> it starts in the Greek. I had to memorize uh, New Testament Greek class, John 1, and it starts off in arche, in the beginning, in o logos. So that the word for word is the word. Logos. So in the Greek, the, the, the word logos, I'm trying, trying not to lose you here. Um, and this word predates, it does predate the gospel of John. John is picking up on this Greek philosophical term and using the word logos. I have a quote from Aristotle who lived something like 300-ish years before John wrote this gospel. And Aristotle explains what logos is. And then John will pick up on this. So I have a quote, Logos by Aristotle makes private feelings public. It enables the human to perform as no other animal can. It makes it possible to perceive and make clear to others their thoughts, feelings, or intentions. So if you have a thought, a feeling, or intention, you want to convey that to the other person, and then the other person is like, I get it, I understand what you're saying. Well, whatever you did to explain that, that bridge of communication is the (coughs) Logos. 
So if, let's say, an, a, a, an example would be uh, a young man likes a young lady and he wants to convey those thoughts. Well, what can he do? Well, he could, he could sit down and use his words. He could write a letter. He could give her gifts. He could give her flowers. And when she gets it, she's like, oh, he really likes me. Well, whatever was communicated, whatever bridge that was, that would be in Greek, the logos. And it's interesting that John picks up on this communication bridge, and it's like when God wants us to know how much he loves us, well, he, he becomes this communication bridge in and of himself. And the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the Logos becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us. And then we, like if Jesus really entered this world 2,000 years ago, well, then we could really know about it. We could really read about it. We could really know who Jesus is by reading the text of Scripture. Scripture is a treasure. And when we read it, we realize the person of God and we realize the things he's saying to us and communicating to us. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to read for us, quote for us a few passages and then we're going to be led to the table. But I want us to quiet ourselves. I, I would love us for, to, to be bathed in Scripture, to, to meditate on these Scriptures, to think about this. I'll reread for us what was read at the beginning. And now we have a little bit more background on what's being said here. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it talks about John, who, who reveals that he's not, the, the, he's just a witness that came concerning the light so that all might believe. And then looking at verse 9, it says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so God, as we stand here and we pray to you, Lord, we thank you for scripture. We thank you that you came 2,000 years ago, that you, God, the Father, the Creator, became flesh, made your dwelling among us. And the Lord, if we meditate on your word, it says we'll be like trees planted by streams of water, which will yield fruit in season. And our leaves won't wither, but everything we do will prosper. Though we want to take in Scripture. We want to take in your word so that we might know you. We want to receive from you. Just as we receive in communion, just as we receive in worship, just as we receive in coming to church and praising you, Lord, we receive your grace. We receive your truth. We receive your word. In your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.